Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Sunday, April 2nd, 2023. It's been 3,322 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 403 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, the United Kingdom Ministry of Defense Defense Intelligence Directorate validated our earlier assessment that the Russian winter offensive campaign has culminated and ended in failure. Second, we maintain that the Russian Federation armed forces are combat ineffective and, beyond Bakhmut, are only capable of point and localized attacks. Third, We maintain that the Ukrainian defense of Bakhmut remains in a critical state and is fluid, though with defensive lines protecting the ground line of communication, called a G-lock, that's a supply line, stabilized. Fourth, we maintain that short of using chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear, also called Seaburn, weapons, the Russian military will continue doing everything possible to capture Bakhmut, regardless of the cost. Fifth, We maintain that Russian forces are experiencing a theater-wide shortage of non-precision artillery munitions. Sixth, we maintain the risk of a nuclear accident due to the de-energization of Ukraine's electrical grid remains as long as the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, continues to target Ukraine's power industry. And finally, we maintain that the Kremlin is actively interfering with the governments of Moldova and Georgia to derail the European Union membership accession process and destabilize their current governments. One year ago yesterday, on April 1st, 2022, in Cherniv, Ukrainian forces liberated the town of Shestovitsya with a general staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reporting over 50 pieces of retreating Russian military equipment were destroyed. The village of Novi Bikiv was liberated, and the bridge over the Supi River was captured intact, restoring the G-lock to Novobasan. Further east, Russian forces continued to target civilians in Kharkiv with artillery and ground rockets, Ukrainian forces withdrew from the southern part of Izum, with mercenaries from PMC Wagner and neo-Nazis with the Russia Imperial Legion taking control. Fighting for control of Krasnopilia continued. On the Dnipropetrovsk-Kherson administrative border, Ukrainian forces liberated 11 villages, where the line of conflict would stay until September. Kremenchuk was hit by Russian missiles, damaging a fuel depot. 
While a ceasefire in Mariupol was partially honored on April 1st, a convoy of 45 buses staffed by the United Nations and Red Cross was denied entry the day before. A second attempt, now with 54 buses, was also blocked. The Red Cross was told by Russian troops they were forbidden to bring any humanitarian aid to the city. Three Russian cruise missiles targeting Odessa were shot down by Ukrainian air defenses with debris landing in residential areas. In Donetsk, fighting continued in Rubizhne and Popazna. In the early morning, two Ukrainian Mi-24 helicopters flying at treetop level to evade radar struck a fuel depot in Bilgorod, Russia, damaging eight of 16 fuel storage tanks. Russian officials reported over 5.7 million liters of fuel were destroyed. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov was asked by Russian state media how the attack was possible because the Russian MOD had reported that the Ukrainian Air Force and Army aviation assets had been destroyed. Russian forces were in full retreat from Kyiv, with Ukrainian forces liberating over 30 settlements around Kyiv, including Hostomel, Borodyanka, Vorzel, Dimir, and Bucha. Oh, Bucha. At 1,720 hours Pacific Daylight Time, our team concluded that the pictures and videos of Irpin, Bucha, and Vorzel that had been sent to us for analysis were authentic. In the situation report for that day, we wrote, quote, Ukrainian forces found entire families outside their homes, men, women, and children, bound and executed. The bodies litter multiple streets. The location of the corpses, and because many were bound, suggests Russian forces methodically rounded up people from their homes and executed them. Ukrainian forces made similar finds in Maria and Mila, southwest of Bucha. End quote. The Ukrainian forces also found executed civilians near Malarohan. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. The Dvorichna and Kupyansk operational areas were stable, with Russian and Ukrainian forces trading artillery strikes. Moving right along to the Donbass region in Luhansk. The acting Luhansk Oblast administrative and military governor, Oleksiy Smirnov, said, quote, Our fighters are currently defending in extremely difficult weather conditions. However, they managed to anticipate the enemy's decision and stop it in a timely manner. End quote. Russian forces attempted to launch a coordinated attack from Makievka to the Serebriansky woods on March 31st, just as the blizzard started. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, described the offensive as a, quote, futile attempt. We can't assess if Russian forces were attempting to take advantage of the weather, improve positions before Bezdorizhia set in after the blizzard, or were ordered to follow a battle plan despite the impending and incredibly well-forecasted storm system. In the Svatova operational area, the GSAFU and the Russian MOD reported that Novoselivsky was shelled on March 31st and April 1st. The GSAFU and Russian mercenary millblogger Wargonzo reported that Russian forces attempted to advance on Stelmachivka on March 31st and April 1st uh, and failed. In the Kremina operational area, the failed blizzard offensive tried to advance on Makievka and Nevsky and from Ploshanka and Chervonopopivka. Russian forces also attempted to advance from the forested areas and tree lines west of Kremina toward Terni on March 31st, also without success. 
Attacks continued on April 1st with no change in the situation. North of Dibrova, a video recorded before March 31st showed that Ukrainian forces had advanced to the northwest corner of the village. The Russian MOD confirmed the fighting, reporting they shelled Ukrainian troops in the area. Russian forces made another attempt to advance out of Dibrova on April 1st, which was still unsuccessful. Based on the new intelligence, we updated the line of conflict on the war map, but left the gray area unchanged. Russian forces also attempted to advance from Kuzmina at the start of the blizzard, which was a choice. With snow, flooding creeks, and mud impacting mobility, most fighting on April 1st was concentrated in the Serebriansky woods south of Kremina, with Russian units probing for weaknesses in Ukrainian defensive lines. In the Lysychansk operational area, fighting continued northeast and east of Bilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, with no change in the situation. In northeast Donetsk, in the Siversk operational area, fighting continued east of Verkhnukamyanskia. A 10-minute drone video showed a coordinated attack on Russian positions by Ukrainian infantry fighting vehicles, a main battle tank, or MBT, and ground forces. Despite being located on the forward line of friendly troops, or flot, essentially the frontmost position of regular troops on the battlefield, the approaches were not mined. Russian troops appeared to have been equipped with a single anti-tank weapon which missed its target, and they didn't receive suppressive fire from artillery. The Ukrainian MBT was able to advance to within 10 meters of the Russian positions and shell them at point-blank range. Russian forces launched an additional attack on April 1st, which failed. Russian forces continued their attempts to advance out of Berestova on March 31st and April 1st, also without success. In the Bakhmut operational area, Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense Hanna Malyar wrote, quote, In Bakhmut, time plays against the enemy. The competent actions of our command in the Bakhmut direction and the courage of the fighters made these long battles the most expensive for the enemy, she means Russia, during the full-scale invasion. After all the time, weapons, equipment, and the huge number of casualties spent by the enemy, again, Russia, on the capture of Bakhmut, it does not justify the actions from the point of view of military expediency. However, the enemy does not abandon his plans, follows principles, and raised the stakes to his own detriment. This is very Russian logic, which cannot be understood. End quote. Through the severe weather on March 31st, the heaviest fighting in Ukraine was in the urban areas of Bakhmut. Russian forces launched 22 attacks in the Bakhmut operational area on March 31st, and 24, and 24 on April 1st. North of Bakhmut, Russian and Ukrainian sources reported continued fighting in the area of Orikhovo Vasilivka with no change in the situation. New videos from Russian sources confirmed the line of conflict has not moved near Bohdanivka, with PMC Wagner launching new attacks on April 1st, which failed. Wargonzo reported PMC Wagner tried to advance on Khromova on March 31st and was unsuccessful. In Bakhmut, fighting continued to the north, southwest, and east. Reports that Russian forces had reached or captured the city administration building on March 30th were untrue. Fighting was ongoing in the central market area, 
with a video recorded on March 31st showing the black flag of PMC Wagner hoisted on top of a bombed-out apartment building north of Silpo. We expanded the gray area but did not move the line of conflict, as both combatants have used flag raisings to make territorial claims done by DRG units. PMC Wagner made marginal gains in the industrial area north of the city center, and fighting continued on Korsunskoho Street without significant changes. Otherwise, there were no claims of territorial gains by PMC Wagner or reliable and semi-reliable Russian sources. Near Bakhmut, videos showed how poor conditions had become on March 31st, with the city receiving a snowstorm, while the high ground near the Siversky-Donetsk-Donbass Canal and areas further east and north experienced blizzard conditions. Behind the line of contact, a video showed Ukrainian troops arguing with medical personnel over who has responsibility for evacuating the wounded. Troops complained they were unsupported, while medical personnel appealed that evacuation from the line of conflict was the responsibility of combat medics. Frustration boiled over as troops argued that there is a shortage of medics among frontline troops. A video released by Ukrainian forces and validated by PMC Wagner's social media channels shows one of the buildings in the Azom industrial complex being struck by a Ukrainian Tachkyu short-range ballistic missile, or SRBM. Our analyst team determined using NASA Fire Information for Resource Management Systems, or FIRMS, data, known weather conditions, and Sentinel-2-L2A satellite images to confirm the strike occurred on March 24th. Wagner's social media channels neither confirmed nor denied if any personnel were in the building at the time of the strike. BMC Wagner restarted attacks on Ivanivske and was unsuccessful. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. In southwest Donetsk, the commander of the operational and strategic grouping of the Tavria forces, Ukrainian Brigadier General Oleksandr Tarnavsky, reported, quote, The enemy, he means Russia, does not stop trying to surround Avdiivka. He uses the assault groups of the Wagner PMC, bombards the city with artillery and aviation, and uses armored vehicles in attempts to break through the defense of our troops. End quote. Over the past week, both Russian and Ukrainian sources have claimed that PMC Wagner is fighting in the Avdiivka operational area, which Yevgeny Prigozhin denies. On March 31st, due to poor weather, there were only touches, artillery exchanges, and harassing attacks in the Avdiivka operational area, including Novokalanove, Keramik, Novobakhmutivka, Krasnohorivka, Stapova, Avdiivka, Sieverne, Vodyana, and Pervomaisky, and in the Marinka operational area at the other Krasnohorivka. Snowmelt has been rapid in this area, with fighting intensity increasing. Orgonzo wrote that Russian forces attempted to, quote, advance to Novobakhmutivka, hinting that Ukrainian forces may have regained additional territory. Although the GSAFU reported successfully repulsing an attack in the area of the settlement, there aren't pictures or videos to prove there's been a change in territorial control, so we didn't update the map. South of Krasnohorivka, 
A video showed Russian troops were staged on a low-head dam on the western edge of Vesele. Based on this new intelligence, we did update the map. Orgonzo claimed that Russian attempts to advance on Keramik and Stepova were unsuccessful. Russian forces continued point attacks on the edges of Avdiivka on April 1st, including near Opitne, Spartak, Kashtanova, and Krutabalka, without success. We had reported earlier that, despite the continuous attacks, there were still six children in Avdiivka that Ukrainian officials were preparing to evacuate, by force if necessary. On March 30th, Ukrainian police tried to convince a mother with a five-month-old baby they had to leave because the city is a designated red zone. Part of the conversation, spoken in Russian, was recorded by Ukrainian police, with a woman arguing that they signed the August 2, 2022 waivers of personal responsibility, there wasn't an urgency to evacuate until now, and expressed concern about the family's cattle. Police appealed to her to think of her child, to no avail. The same evening, the area was hit by a Russian airstrike, killing the woman's grandmother and the five-month-old infant. South of Avdiivka, the 1st Army Corps continued attempts to advance on Sieverne without success. Fighting was reported, quote, in the area of Vodiana, and Russian forces continued to attempt to push into Pervomaiske from Piski without success. In the Merinka operational area, Russian forces continued attempts to advance on Krasnohorivka without success. Fighting in the former central district of Marinka continued with no changes. A video from Ukrainian forces recorded before the snowstorm showed a Russian tank cooking its ammunition off, eventually tossing its turret. Social media reports claimed that a Russian ammunition depot in Andreevka was destroyed. We could not, however, independently verify the reports. Around Mariupol, a video showed that reports of explosions and plumes of smoke in the fields around the city are likely due to the ongoing construction of static fortifications. Moving on to Zaporizhia. The Zaporizhia Regional Military Administration reported 104 Russian fire missions on March 31st and 64 on April 1st, along the entire line of conflict using tanks, multiple launch rocket systems, and artillery. There was no update on the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, a spokesperson for the Odessa administrative and military governor reported there were 12 vessels of the Black Sea fleet on patrol, including two frigates and one kilo-class submarine, capable of launching up to 20-caliber cruise missiles in total. Operational Command South, or OKS, Director of Communications, Captain Natalia Humenyuk, claimed that the March 20th drone strike on Jankoy in occupied Crimea caused significant damage to railroad infrastructure, with repairs still ongoing. With the heavy equipment needed to unload caliber cruise missiles unavailable, Humenyuk claimed that Russian forces were attempting to fly the missiles in. Due to high winds, the Kerch Strait ferry operations were suspended, according to the Russian Ministry of Emergency Situations in Crimea. While the Crimean Bridge has been reopened to box trucks and empty semi-trucks, delays due to security protocols have created backups that stretch for over 10 kilometers. 
In western and central Ukraine, in Kherson, Russian and Ukrainian forces fired on each other's positions across the Dnipro River. Russian forces completed 54 fire missions on March 31st and 60 on April 1st. On Saturday, Russian forces fired 290 artillery rounds, mortars, rockets, and indirect tank fire, attacking the city of Kherson six times, killing one and wounding two. On March 31st, Russian troops fired on a pleasure craft with civilians on board fleeing from the occupied territories. Local officials reported, quote, they sailed from Dachas on the left bank of the Dnipro River. According to preliminary reports, two people were injured. End quote. Somewhere in the Kherson region, local residents reported to the police they had found an unexploded Russian Fab 500 bomb. Explosive Ordnance Disposal, or EOD, experts were deployed to the scene, relocating the bomb, and if you watch the video, you'll see they had a lot of fun solving the problem. Overnight on April 1st, video recorded large explosions near Kherson, which is now being repeatedly attacked by Russian Fab 500 JDAM ER bombs. The blast size and type were inconsistent with an S 300 anti aircraft missile used for a ground attack, a Shahed 136 kamikaze drone, or rocket artillery systems. Russian forces continue to attack Berislav, targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure. An electrical substation was destroyed, knocking out power to several settlements in the rayon. In the area of Novokhovka, a Russian ammunition depot was destroyed, with the sound of cooking off ammunition lasting for over 30 minutes. In Lviv, a grenade killed one and wounded another, the second such incident in the western Ukraine city in the last three months. Local officials reported, quote, a hand grenade, probably an RGN, exploded in an apartment building on Zamarstinivska Street in Lviv. As a result of the explosion, a guest, a 44-year-old resident of Cherniv, died of his injuries on the spot. And the owner of the apartment, a 52-year-old resident of Lviv, was hospitalized with serious injuries. End quote. A criminal investigation has been opened. In north and northeast Ukraine, on March 31st, Russian forces shelled four Hromadas in the Sumy Oblast, including Bilopilia, Esmen, Khotin, and Znobnovhorotsk. Fifty-six artillery shells and mortars were fired along the border, injuring one civilian near Khotin. On the Russian front, meltwater from the March 31st blizzard damaged a bridge on the M4 highway in Rostov that crosses the Seversky Donets River. Emergency repairs are ongoing, and traffic was brought to a standstill due to the closure. Social media reports shared the sound of an explosion in Rostov-on-Don. In our assessment, it was likely a sonic boom. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. If you give a moose tactical nuclear weapons, they'll think they rule the world. The so-called president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, told his nation that, quote, If necessary, Russian President Putin and I will decide to bring in strategic weapons, if needed. I am not trying to intimidate or blackmail anyone. I want to safeguard the Belarusian state and ensure peace for the Belarusian people, end quote. The Dark Potato Prince wasn't done. 
adopting the same messaging used by the Kremlin that a good patriot is a terrified patriot. Quote, Take my word for it. I have never lied to you. They, he means NATO, are preparing to invade the territory of Belarus to destroy our country. End quote. Quick sidebar. In my experience, if someone has to tell you to trust them, you probably shouldn't trust them. I feel like he's probably also said things like, I'm a nice guy, and I can't be racist, I have a black friend. Germany reported that 18 Leopard 2A6 main battle tanks, 40 Martyr infantry fighting vehicles, 2 armored repair and recovery vehicles, 2 Vicent 1 demining tanks, and 24 Zetros trucks are already in Ukraine. Prime Minister of Poland Mateusz Morawiecki shared on Twitter that Ukraine would be purchasing 100 Polish-made Rosomak Armored Personnel Carriers, or APCs. Rosomak is a licensed copy of the Finnish Armored Personnel Carrier Patria AMV 8x8. The main armament is a 30mm MK-44 cannon with a stabilization system and a 7.62mm UKM-2000C machine gun. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.